this week on Hope for the Broken. Where do you go that you're intentionally around non-believers? You know, it's so, so easy to forget that the world is broken. It's so easy to forget that we need to live on mission, that there's any purpose for mission at all because we get wrapped in this little cocoon of our Christianity and we just tune everything else out. And at times, that is so desperately needed and it is so good for you. But we can't live there every day. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Back to the Basics. We welcome our guest speaker, Aaron Blankenship, with part three titled, Living on Mission. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Now, as Pastor Chris said, we're going to be looking at what does it mean to live on mission. Now, just as a disclaimer here, I think he probably gave me far more credit on that introduction than I deserve. Uh, Because let me tell you something, standing here this morning is terrifying. All right? So you're going to listen to this. You're going to read scripture with me this morning. We're going to spend some time diving into the word. And when you leave here, just know that you are leaving equipped to go and share the gospel. And I don't want to hear any excuses if I'm too scared. Okay? That's what my wife told me when I was leaving the house this morning anyways. So what does it mean for us to live on mission? Well, today we're going to look at this, uh, this idea of being a missionary where we live, where we work, and where we play. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we see the Great Commission. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's pretty good, Right? That sums up being a missionary all in one verse, but how in the world do we put that into our everyday life today? Do you know what uh, the definition of a mission is? Webster's Dictionary says this. It says it's a task, a specific task, excuse me, uh, with which a person or a group is charged. So what does it mean for us to live on mission? Well, according to Matthew 28... It's a task that we have been given. What is that task? It's to go make disciples, to proclaim the glory, and to teach them everything that we know. So how do we incorporate that into everyday life? Well, it starts with our first mission, our first ministry, and that's your home. Your husbands, your first ministry is your wife. Wives, your first ministry is your husband and your children. Parents, your first ministry, where it begins, where you become a missionary first, is to your children. Kids, you can minister to your parents just as much as your parents minister to you. I have a three-year-old little girl. I think she's the most beautiful thing in the entire world. Sorry, I'm a little biased, but she's wonderful. And let me tell you, that girl has taught me more about living on mission than any other ministry has ever taught me in my entire life. 
You can look at her and just see the pureness of love and emotion and joy and excitement. And I watch her and I think, God, why did you give me this perfect little thing for me to try and mold into something that looks like you? I'm just going to mess it up. And it's terrifying being a parent. Am I the only one that feels that way? I think, okay, yeah, you're still asleep this morning. There's coffee in the lobby if you need some coffee. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But oftentimes we do fall into this misconception that in life, missions are only intended for the individual. It's just for that special person that's up on a pedestal, that, that missionary that moves way off that you've never in a million years would dream that you could do something like that. Well, I'm here to tell you today that, that that's not true. We fall into this misconception where uh, it's only for those elite, but in reality, when you look at Scripture, it's almost never a single individual that's commissioned for any ministry. It's always two or more that the Lord is sending out to go and do something. How many students did Paul have that went with him everywhere to do ministry? So you see, for me, my number one fear in living on mission, even in my own home, is thinking I have to do it by myself. I told you I'm terrified of my little three-year-old daughter, and I look at her and I think, how in the world am I going to show you the grace of Jesus? It's because I don't have to do it by myself. You see, the Lord gave me this beautiful wife who loves my little girl as much as I do. And even if you're in here this morning, you say, well, Aaron, I'm a single parent, buddy. I'm rocking this by myself. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, for the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells inside of you. Because even if you're a single parent, you don't have to do this on your own. I can guarantee you one of, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the text is uh, when Moses is walking and he comes up on this bush that's burning, right? Man, y'all need some coffee this morning. He comes up on this bush that's burning, and can you imagine you're just hanging out, walking in the wilderness, and there's a bush that's burning, but it's not burning, but it is burning. And you start walking up to it, and as you get closer, you hear this voice, take your shoes off. What? He says, take your shoes off. Okay, take your shoes off. Why am I taking my shoes off? Well, it's because where you're standing is holy ground. Because you're standing in the presence of a living God. Can I tell you something this morning? As you go and you live on mission, you, you need to be a barefoot missionary. Right? Because everywhere that you're going, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and you're walking on holy ground. You see, he goes before you, he stands beside you, he's behind you. He's the one that prepares the way for you. I've got three questions this morning for you to examine your missional temperature within your own family. What does it look like? How good are you doing with ministry in your home? Question number one, are you actively studying and memorizing scripture as a family? When's the last time that scripture was opened within your home as a family unit and you said, how does this apply to us today? If it's not being opened, newsflash this morning, you're not living on mission at home. Question number two, are your children seeing biblical principles and scripture, or structure, excuse me, within the walls of your home? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit being carried out within your home? 
You know, I used to struggle to memorize that. And then when we were uh, pastoring in South Dakota, we had this mission team that came up and they taught us this incredible song for the fruit of the spirit. I'm not gonna do it for you this morning because my wife will video it and then I'll never live it down. But it talks about how uh, if you're a grape, you can't be a part of the fruit of the spirit. Or if you're a watermelon, you can't be a part of the fruit of the spirit. It goes on and it says, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the spirit. How do you get those? You get those by diving into the scripture as a family unit, studying the truth of the gospel and falling deeply in love with Jesus. Your first step to living on mission begins at home. It's not going to some missionary class. It's not going to some church service or some Bible study. No, your first step to living on mission is are you living on mission inside of your home? And lastly, number three, for in your home, are you using your home as a launching pad for ministry opportunities? You know, we, I believe, at Trinity have a heart for missions. I've seen it. I've watched you guys fall deeply in love with giving the gospel to those desperately in need. But my question this morning is, are you doing that at home? Are you preparing your kids for the day that they're 18 and they walk up to you and say, Mom, I think I'm supposed to go on mission? Okay, what kind of mission? I'm not sure. I remember the day we were at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Texas. A dear friend of mine named Zach Tomlinson was preaching. My mom was sitting on this side of me. My wife was sitting on this side of me. And he's preaching, and I'm sitting there like this. Having a nervous breakdown, freaking out. My wife leans over, and she's like, what is your problem? And I grab her hand, and I grab my mom's hand, and we just go storming out of the service. I'm sure everybody thought, well, he's lost it, totally lost it. And we, I drag my mom and my wife into this Sunday school room in the back, and my mom's like, what is going on? I said, I gotta, I gotta ask you to give me up. She's like, Aaron, you've been married for four months. I already did that. I already gave you up. I said, no. I gotta ask you to give me up because I gotta go. I don't know how long. I don't know where. I just know I gotta go. She's like, what? And I was able to look my own mother in the eyes and say, you raised me to love Christ above all else. And he's calling me to go and to share that with everybody else. Two months later, my wife and I moved to South Dakota and we were able to plant a church there that's still going today. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, for his mercy and his grace. But my question is, are you using your home as a launching pad for ministry and for missions, for yourself, for your spouse, for your kids? And it doesn't have to be far off ministry. Your kids go to daycare, they go to school, they go to the grandparents' house, they go wherever. Are you preparing them and equipping them according to the gospel to go and be missionaries where they're at in their everyday life? You say, well, Aaron, my kid's three. Hey, I don't care. My little girl's three and she can tell you Jesus loves you. They can do it. Are you using your home as a launching pad for ministry. Next, this morning, 
we're going to look at what is missional living within the workplace. This is where it gets fun. I love ministry in the workplace because it makes me far more uncomfortable than anything else in all of the world. Ministry in the workplace. You know why? Because you spend more people with your, co- more people, more time with your coworkers than you do with your own spouse. At least while you're awake. I know I do. Currently, I work for a mechanic shop in Pittsburgh, and I know those guys, and I spend time with those guys, and I wish I could spend half that amount of time with my family. What better place to be on mission? One of the greatest benefits for us weaving this missional living into our home life is that it overflows into our work life. If you can come home and see Matthew 28 and the Great Commission of Jesus saying, go therefore, which literally means as you're living your life, like everyday normal routine, go, make disciples, teach them everything that you've observed, that's watching Jesus, teach them all of it, and baptize them. What better way for us to get up in the mornings on Monday and go to work than to remember, go and make disciples? When I was serving as the pastor in South Dakota, it quickly became evident to me that I had a major, major issue in my life. And I don't know that anyone else around noticed it. My wife never really called me out on it. My friends never really called me out on it. But I have a feeling you probably have the same issue. You know what it is? The Christian circle. You ever fell into the Christian circle where everyone that you're around all the time is just full-time believers? I was pastoring a church full-time, so I was always around people from church. I was always around believers. I was always around people that I would say something. I'd be like, oh, that's not very godly. It'd straighten me right back up. I fell into this idea of if I'm just surrounded by believers all the time, then I don't have to live on mission because they already know Jesus. I don't have to be uncomfortable. So by the grace of the Lord, I was able to make a decision to say, you know what, full-time ministry is not for me right now. I'm going to go work in the secular world and be bivocational. I can tell you honestly, on day two of my job back in the secular world, I realized I made a grave error. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back. But let me ask you, where, where do you go that people know that you're a believer and they're not? If I was to come to your workplace with you tomorrow, and we walked in and you introduced me as, this is Aaron Blankenship, he lives in Mount Pleasant, Texas. He's a halfway decent fella. Could I look at your coworkers and say, can you tell me about this person? How many of your coworkers would the first thing out of their mouth be, well, they're desperately in love with Jesus? Or, you know, they're kind of that religious nut because all they do is they talk about church and God and, and stuff like that, and they're kind of weird and they creep me out. You see, I realized in my own life that I had surrounded myself by so many believers, I didn't leave room for ministry because I didn't have any non-believing friends. How can we go and live on mission every day if we're never around the lost? So when you go to your workplace, do they know that you are a believer? You know what one of the worst feelings I've ever had that hurt my feelings more than anything was? It was when I was working 
for Ford as a diesel mechanic. And this new guy started, and he came into the shop, and all these people were excited, and they were like, man, have you met this new guy? And I was like, no, who is he? He said, oh, he's so cool. He's super nice. He's this godly, loving person, and he's kind of weird because he loves Jesus so much, but it's so cool to actually work with a Christian. I was like, oh, what do you mean? I'm a preacher. Like, I literally get paid to teach the Bible, and you just told me it's cool to actually work with a Christian. Wow, that hurts. And you know why? Because I was not living on mission in the workplace. Well, how do you live on mission in the workplace? It overflows from being on mission at home. Are you diving into the scriptures? Are you studying them? Are you memorizing them? Is that your number one focus in life? In John chapter 4, we see a pretty good picture of this. You know the story. I'm not going to read the entire story. It's the woman at the well. Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and Jesus decides that he needs to go through Samaria, and he comes up to this well, and they're exhausted because they've been doing so much ministry, and they're just tired, and they're over it. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey, go into town, get us some food, come back out. I'm going to wait here for you. I'm just beat. So the disciples leave, and Jesus meets this woman at the well. You remember the story? And as he's having this conversation with her, lo and behold, she becomes a believer. And as they're having this conversation, I love the way that Scripture says it because it it literally says, and at that moment, the disciples showed back up. Like, she accepts Christ as her Savior, and then at that moment, the disciples show back up. And they got one thing on their mind. You see, this is how we prove that the disciples were Southern Baptists. Because the only thing they was worried about was some food. Like, look, I don't care about no water. I don't care about sitting down for a minute. Just give me the food, and we're good. Always has to be food. But look at what happens here. Look at John chapter 4, verse 35. John 4, 35, it says, Do you not say that there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For there he said, excuse me, for here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. You see, Aaron, that's cool and fine, but what does that have to do with me in my workplace? I want to warn you against falling into the trap that the disciples are in in this moment. The disciples are doing ministry. They're doing exactly what Jesus sent them to do. He gave them a calling, he gave them a task, and they were fulfilling it. And they did it well. But there's one problem. They got so wrapped up in that ministry of doing what Jesus sent them to do that they forgot the whole reason Jesus came to be with them to bring salvation. And he has to remind them, hey, fellas, look up here. You see, there's a whole multitude of people and they're coming to know the truth of the gospel. Because if you remember what happened, Jesus introduces this woman to his mercy and his grace 
She accepts him as her Lord and Savior. She goes back to the town, and the entire town comes out to meet Jesus. One lady who's not a called missionary, who's no one special, she's just the average Joe Blow, converts her entire town to believers. And the disciples are so focused on doing their job that they miss it. So this morning, I want to ask you, as you go to your workplace tomorrow, or maybe you work today, are you getting so wrapped up in your daily grind that you're missing the multitude around you that's desperate and lost and starving for some hope? Folks, our world is broken today. You don't have to go very far to be a missionary. You don't. So what is the temperature of your missional uh, heartbeat in your workplace? Do your coworkers know that you're a believer? Or do they just assume that you're someone with good morals? Have you brought the gospel to them? Or do they think, ah, that, that's just a good guy or a good lady? Are you intentional in building relationships with non-believers in your workplace? It is so good to have believers around you. It is such a crucial thing. One of the greatest parts of uh, this church for my family has been investing in a small group or a Bible study group or whatever we call them here. It is it has grown us, it has stretched us, it has fulfilled us being surrounded by believers that are in the same walk of life as us. If you're not invested in a group, please, I beg you, jump into a group. It is so good. But as you jump into a group, remember that you have been called by the creator of the universe to step out of that group and say, I can be the beacon of hope for those that are lost around me. I can live on mission through my workplace. And lastly, as far as at work, have you prayed for your non-believing coworkers? Oh, Aaron, I, I don't know that I need to pray for them. I mean, folks, you, you have the opportunity and the blessing to stand before a holy God and say, Father, would you please use me to impact my coworkers for eternity? Would you let me have a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a piece of their life where I can share them, share with them your goodness? Have you prayed for your non-believing coworkers? And then the last part of this that we're gonna look at this morning is how in the world do you live on mission when you're at play? How do you live on mission when you're playing? And I want to direct you back to the exact same text that we were just looking at, at John chapter 4. Now, it doesn't sound like the disciples and Jesus are on this luxurious vacation, but you got to think about what happened here. They're walking in the desert. They come up on a big water well. They get to chill by some nice, cool drinking water. They've got all this food laid out. Man, they're chilling at an oasis buffet. They're on vacation here. They're loving it. They're getting some rest. Their brains are turned off. That's why they missed it to begin with. They're chilling out. They're having some good times, kicked back, looking at the palm trees, saying, Jesus, this is the life. We've been killing it in ministry, and I need a break. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. 
just because you get to disrupt your everyday grind, just because you get to have a moment to stop stressing over life, doesn't mean that the lost are just magically saved. You still have to share the gospel, fellas. Come on, get up. The whole field is white and ready for harvest. Somebody else even did the hard work. They went and shared it. You just have to reap it. Let me ask you something. When you go and you play, is mission anywhere on your radar? Not for me. We were blessed when we lived in South Dakota to be able to purchase this incredible machine called a Can-Am Maverick. If you've never ridden in a side-by-side, come hang out with me for the weekend. I'll take you for a ride in the side-by-side. It's wonderful. And we bought it, and my wife and I told each other, we were like, this is the greatest ministry tool of all creation. You know how many people are going to want to hang out with us, and we can just share the gospel with them? Do you know how hard it is to share the gospel running 80 miles an hour down a trail in the mountains? It's not very easy. Our intentions were right. We were like, this is great. We'll get to meet so many people. We can share the truth with them. We can share the gospel with them. And then we get to that moment and we're like, gospel? Who needs that? More throttle. Don't laugh. You've been there. You have those moments where finally I get a break. I get to just enjoy myself. And the first thing to leave is any idea of eternity. And we put our guards down our guards as far as those around us that are hurting, our guards as far as those around us that are watching us to point them to Christ. Just like the disciples here at this oasis, they're literally sitting with the God of creation and they forgot to preach. Let me challenge you this morning. Begin living missionally in your home so that when you're not at home, it's so natural you don't even notice it. It just flows out of you. There's a reason that we see in Scripture over and over and over that the Lord is referred to as a spring because he just dumps out. It's such a wonderful thing. So if I was to ask you a couple questions to close us off my first question would be where's your third place you say what's a third place everybody has a third place your first place is home you're always going to go home you get home you can relax you can hang out and we've already talked about home what are you going to do at home to make living missionally a reality so that's your first place what's your second place if you're a student your second place is school If you're an adult, your second place is your work, your job, your daily grind. What's your third place that you go? Where do you go that you're intentionally around non-believers? You know, it's so, so easy to forget that the world is broken. It's so easy to forget that we need to live on mission that there's any purpose for mission at all because we get wrapped in this little cocoon of our Christianity and we just tune everything else out. And at times, that is so desperately needed and it is so good for you. But we can't live there every day. Where's your third place that you go that you are intentionally around non-believers? 
It don't have to be anything special, folks. Anybody been to Walmart lately? Okay. Thank you. Yes, Lord, that is a mission field that is ready for harvest. If you don't believe me, just go to the gas station in front of Walmart because there people's hearts are really broken and ready. I mean, they're open. Give me some hope here. Where's your third place? Your third place can be the the parent-teacher association. Your third place can be the grocery store. It can be the golf course. It can be a number of things. But where do you go that's your third place that normally you would let your guard down? My challenge to you leaving this morning is that in your third place, you hold your guard up. You protect your witness. You look like a believer in public on purpose. I just don't know if I can do that. I'm not that brave. Remember how we started this? When you leave here today, you are fully equipped to not say I'm not that brave. Why? Because of the very first text that we read. When our Savior, who went to the cross for us, I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up. When our Savior went to the cross, declared back to us, go and make disciples. As you're living your everyday life, as you're doing your normal routine, you don't have to do anything different or special as far as being a missionary, going somewhere. Jesus said, as you're doing your everyday thing, make disciples. Well, Aaron, I don't know how to make disciples. Hey, you're in the right place for that. You got people around here that are going to be so excited to come around you and say, let me show you what it means to be a disciple maker who makes disciples that make disciples. You see, because that's the end goal, not for us to just make one disciple. Our end goal as believers is to bring someone to Christ, allow the Holy Spirit to work on them. They become a believer. We coach them, we teach them, and then they go and they make other believers. And we don't have to do it on our own. He says right here in Matthew 28, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Folks, where you're walking is holy ground. You take the spirit of the living God with you in your homes, in your workplace, where you play, where you vacation, where you rest you have the opportunity to bring the gospel to those that are desperately in need, just like someone did for you. Are you gonna be willing to do that? Are you gonna be willing to say, Lord, here I am, I'm ready. I wanna live on mission for you. I wanna live on mission in my home. I wanna raise my kids. I wanna use my home as a launching pad to send them out as disciple makers. If they're in the fifth grade, the second grade, or daycare. God, I want them to be able to go and bring the gospel to the lost and the hurting. And it begins in your home. Maybe this morning you need to get alone with you and the Lord and say, God, I've been missing the mark. It's okay to tell God you're wrong. He already knows it. I've been there a million and a half times. Maybe this morning you say, God, I want to live on mission. I want to go back to the basics. I don't need anything extra. I just want to know that you are God. I am not. And those around me desperately need your love. You can do that this morning. 
Or maybe you, you can't do that because you've never asked Christ into your heart. You're in the perfect place for that. Your chair is the perfect place for you to say, God, I'm broken. I don't want to live on mission because I don't even know what the mission is. God, I need you in me. You're in the perfect place for that. Here, there is hope. Here, there's joy. Here, there's peace. And here, you can be equipped and sent on mission, even if it's just to your own home. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.